Hello and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Shed Media Network podcast where we talk about Star Trek's Deep Space Nine and we discover and or rediscover that classic series. With me as always wearing some very comfy looking gloves is Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? I'm very well, thank you. I got these uh, gloves for Christmas that are supposed to have like, I don't know, moisturizing oils in them or something that and, is uh, super fancy and i'm super jealous i'm just gonna cut it and say that <laughs> yep i uh, i like them and i'm also here with my stuffed stuffed owl clarence that i got oh, for christmas clarence <laughs> because i love owls and stuffed animals <laughs> adorable and how are you peter i am pretty good um i am it, it, once again, like I said, like I said last episode, to to totally date this episode, I it I am post Christmas season or at least like post holiday season in retail. So I mean, like we still have like like some holiday stuff in our store, but not totally. So I'm back home from work, and I am I I I'm, I match I match the I match the snuggling with 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 my with my own stuffed animal, though not a stuffed animal. Uh, a, fr- a friend a friend of mine a friend of mine for Christmas gave me a gave me a stormtrooper. <laughs> Um, so still haven't named them yet so I don't know what to call them but (laughs) it's cute that is very cute now before we begin though this is dated uh, and we are a Star Trek show Um, while we were recording this uh, yesterday sadly we lost Carrie Fisher so I was wondering if anyone wanted to quickly say a bit about Carrie Fisher and what she meant to, to us as nerds is that at the very least I can say that she was always to me a very positive female role model and uh sort of redefined this sort of damsel in distress trope but also a very good writer and a very good comedian and yeah. a very interesting person who sort of stuck around longer than just as you know mostly is Princess Leia but uh she meant a lot to me throughout the years and so this was, this was tough um I for for me for me for me what I will say about Carrie Fisher and and also and also um her character Princess Leia, uh, there there was there was a post I saw yesterday, um to and to and to essentially paraphrase it 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 was like it was like okay people talk about how awesome and badass Luke Skywalker and Han Solo were, but in reality Carrie Fisher is the rebellion like that's right like 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 Han like Han Solo ran off. Luke Skywalker ran off. What did Princess Leia do? She was a senator. She became a general. She, even when times got tough, she stuck around. She was still there all that time fighting because she knew it was the right thing to do despite everything she had lost. And I feel that that very much represented who Carrie Fisher was as a person with everything she had with, with with everything she had got she had gone through in her life including inc- including um her uh being including her being bipolar she was like she she was always such a strong figure to anyone who would care to listen and the world is and and, and like like i like i said um like, like i said uh with, uh with with ben and jack on our on our um episode of of, Sa- of save point the world lost like a huge beacon of light in that regard Yes, absolutely. I um, you both really hit the nail on the head. Definitely, um, you know, she was always just you know, just an an inspiring human being. Really, I mean, not only as you know the character Princess Leia, for which she is most famous, but 
you know, in in her real life as well. Like she always used uh, Twitter to very clearly state her opinions on things, which I always appreciated. A great voice for feminism, a great, you know, voice against uh, scary political figures, a great voice, um, you know, to bring awareness to, um, you know, mental disabilities. And, you know, she, she was just a, a very present figure always. And I appreciated that. And I choose to remember her not in the, you know, gold bikini with the, you know, cinnamon bun hair, or I choose to remember a picture I saw of her last night or in at her, you know, present age, holding her therapy dog, Gary, sitting next to a model of Jabba the Hutt, which was wearing a Santa hat and flipping it off. <laughs> yeah, this is the image I, I choose to retain of Carrie Fisher in my head. May you rest in peace, drowned in moonlight, strangled by your bra. Yes. Yes. That is how yes. she wants her fans to say she died. Yes. yes. And that is how we remember her. I think it's very well said. So moving on from sad uh, topics, let's talk about some interesting episodes. This week we watched season three, episode seven and episode eight, which would be Civil Defense and Meridian. So first up is Civil Defense. While attempting to convert DS9's ore processing center, O'Brien accidentally sets off an old security program in place for a possible Bajoran revolt during the occupation, trapping him and Jake and Benjamin inside the processor. A pre-recorded message from Gold Ducat informs them that they only have a few minutes to surrender or else be killed. Ops is unable to save them due to fail-safes on their end, but Jake manages to crawl through the processor and the trio escapes the room. Unfortunately, this sets off a new set of fail-safes that locks down the entire station, as the program now thinks that the Bajorans have escaped and are rioting. This traps Dax and Kira and Bashir in Ops and Odo and Quark in security. In Ops, Dax attempts to stop the programming, but it only gets worse as the computer now thinks the Bajoran dissidents have taken control. Recorded Ducat tells the station that the computer will flood the habitat ring with poisonous gas if they do not surrender. It is at this point that Garrick manages to somehow move past the force fields, trapping the crew inside of Ops. He reveals that he still has enough Cardassian control over the computer to move about freely, but the failsafes keep him from saving others. He convinces the crew to disable the life support systems, which saves the habitat ring, but in doing so triggers a new failsafe, one that assumes Ducat has been killed or captured, and sets the station to self-destruct in two hours. Garrick tries to hack the program, but that spawns a new failsafe, a replicated weapon that fires at the crew. Suddenly, who should appear but the flesh and blood Ducat himself? Safe from the weapon fire, Ducat gloats in his new position of power and agrees to turn off the failsafes if Kira will agree to his terms. Ducat demands that Kira allow a garrison of Cardassian soldiers to be placed on the station. Kira, of course, refuses, and Ducat attempts to beam away to let the crew stew on their predicament. But unfortunately for Hen, this triggers yet another failsafe even he did not know about. A recording of his former commander, Legat Kel, states that the failsafe was in place if during a Bajoran revolt, Ducat turned traitor or coward and tried to escape during a lockdown. The computer takes away Ducat's access codes and provisions, trapping him with the others. The ops are finally able to reach Benjamin, and they send him and the other two to reroute the shields. Benjamin manages to reroute them and stop the self-destruct device from destroying the entire station. What do we think of civil defense? Oh my gosh. Just... <laughs> 
Like, just the whole yet another failsafe. And you're like, how many more can there be? Like, it kind of felt like a video game to me in that way. Like, yeah. you must complete a task in a certain amount of time to escape this. Oh, wait, once you've done that, guess what? Do it again. <laughs> it reminded exactly. me of Escape the Room, but a very unfair Escape the Room. <laughs> Every time you oh, escape one part, it gives yeah. you a whole new thing, you know? Yeah, it's like it's like you it's like you escaped the room, but you 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 start you started the center, you escaped that room, but what you really just escaped into was like that was like the next outer ring. It it also reminded me maybe in the game sense of a very unfair dungeon master who's like, well, you set off another trap. You're like, come on, man, you're just making it up at this point. Like you didn't expect these. By the way, I just thought it was funny just thinking of Ducat having to record every possible. <laughs> scenario because that had to be a whole day of him being like the Bajorans have taken control of the replicators <laughs> yeah. don't use the replicators you know, like, like, thank you for surrendering I hope he had fun with that <laughs> I really did I would love Is this to see good? Am, I, am I coming across angry enough I need some direction here. I would love to see the outtakes of that. Be like, like, was was that was that good? Was that good? Should I should I be more should I be more should I be more snide or should I be more cocky? Like I I don't. What are you going for? <laughs> Well, did you all enjoy this episode, or was it too video gamey, too sort of procedural? It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. I think it was enjoyable while I was watching it. Yeah, because... I just go ahead, Peter. No, I, I was I was just gonna finish by saying because 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 you know, because with because with this space station uh, formerly being under Cardassian control, it's just like it, it's like it's like a, a and I, and I, and I know and I know um, I forget what episode it was in the past, but but we but we um, something happened on the ship, and so and so we were all kind of we all kind of posed the question like you know well if this happened in this episode, what else the Car- what else did the did the Cardassians leave behind, and so it's and so it's like this question was basically was basically an answer for that. It's like it's like well what are they behind? Well, you know, Ducat's like Ducat left behind a lot of fail safes, but technically not left behind. More of just put in place, but never turned off. Yes, yes, mm. indeed. Uh, yeah, I thought so. So it was pretty fun, but it definitely sort of hit a wall. I seem to recall from my description here, everything I said up until the last two sentences was like the first thirty minutes mm-hmm. or twenty right. minutes or so, and then like the rest is the next fifteen. So it's a lot of drawn out, just like let's go here and let's go here and let's go here. Mm-hmm. Um, this exactly. was some good character moments, and in particular, we get a very nice uh, collection of scenes with Odo and Quark. Yes. Uh, stuck together in security yes. in the sort of bottle episode classic sitcom fashion <laughs> where two enemies get stuck in an elevator or whatnot. I felt like this other. was the answer to, you know, when they were quote unquote roommates, that's not quite the right word. Um, but, you know, when they were um, stuck together in the one room with life support on that other ship. And I said, oh, I just want a full series of Odo and Quark of being this, roommates. Yes. <laughs> this this was their answer to that, is that it sort of came back. Be happy. It was like yes, I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed Odo saying to Quark that he was the most devious ring he never met. And then afterwards... <laughs> then then afterwards, rescinding like... that comment in favor of literally any other Ferengi, <laughs> including Rom. Yes, <laughs> and his cousin who owns a moon. Yes. he won't shut up. About oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, <it was> that... <laughs> yeah. For we me, get a list of uh, 
Sorry, go on, sir. Well, for me, the stakes just weren't high enough in this episode. Like, it, it, it wasn't something so dire that I felt that anyone, anybody was, you know, actually going to die or right. actually have to evacuate the space station. So I was just sitting there like, okay, what's the next room? Okay, what's the next room? Oh, Gold Ducat's stuck here. That's funny. What's the next room? Right. That, this, that, that's how I felt during the whole episode. No, no, totally. I, I agree. And it, it is more of a series of events versus um uh, uh trey parker and matt stone did a series on writing screenplays um they're of course the creators of south park and they had a good bit about writing a screenplay which is that if a screenplay you can break it down the beats with and then and then and then mm-hmm. then your screenplay has problems where like it should mm-hmm. just be like a series of events it should be this happens because of this and therefore this happens exactly uh, and I feel like this was yeah, very much an, and then and then and then and then screenplay where it was very much like and then this happens and this happens and it was neat to have like I think the idea of a of smart homes against you and stuff like that is very interesting mm-hmm. where technology betrays yeah. you um, yeah but it definitely was tedious towards the end for sure it was bit, yeah it was just the, and, and and the the thing about the and then is that it was pretty much just the same thing like this uh, this fail safe this fail safe this fail safe like the, like there wasn't any other um like there, there wasn't any other way that they, that they presented the potential danger to to just to just uh just just cisco o'brien and cisco o'brien and um why do i forget his name all of a sudden out of nowhere the sun Jake. Jake. Why do I out of no like forget Jake's name now? It went it went from just those three being in danger to okay, now other people are in danger too. Now the entire ship is in danger. Like there wasn't it, it, it was all it was always the same method in how they did that and and how it progressed. Right. Which and I, I did enjoy that a little dull. Yeah, and I but I did enjoy that it went to the, such a ridiculous extreme that even Ducat got screwed yeah. out of his own thing, which I I did enjoy that reveal, but That was satisfying. Certainly by the end, it's just it's just a lot of uh, avoiding traps, which can get old. Uh, but that's sort of a good backbone for them, or a national treasure esque, interesting way of dealing with them, or interesting puzzles. It was just more like, gotta get here, gotta blow it up. And even by the end, it was like they were almost about to blow up with like one second left, and I was like, are we really doing Galaxy Quest level? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god, yes! That close I to the that time. <laughs> one of my favorite jokes in Galaxy Quest. Oh, they they stop it with like twenty seconds left, and it doesn't blow up because uh, it always stops at one second, so it's built into the program. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing we did learn though that was very interesting is we got a lot more teases on Garrick this episode. Yes, yes. Uh, namely, uh, when Ducat sees Garrick, they have an interesting shouting match where we sort of learn vaguely that Ducat's dad went to trial which of course we know means he's guilty and uh garrick was somehow involved so what do we think of sort of this what, we, what little we learned of all this super intriguing. i don't really know <laughs> just everything about garrick is so deeply shrouded in mystery i can't figure him out yeah like that for sure so i mean so just the fact that like there is yet another layer to the mystery is like is like satisfyingly frustrating if that makes sense at all mm-hmm. yeah and uh garrick was a super badass this episode. <laughs> he was i think he was my favorite part of this episode 
agree. Uh, he has a Again. great moment where he clearly sees Dukat just trying to sort of preen in front of Kira, and he's basically yeah. like, "You have a crush on her, <laughs> right?" <laughs> that was a great moment. Seeing Dukat basically as much as a Cardassian can blush, blush he did was mm-hmm. pretty wonderful. Indeed, I forgot about that moment. Is there anything else we want to talk about for civil defense? Not for me. I think that was about it. Yeah, it, like going through this episode is about as one note as this fail safe, this fail safe. Yeah, <laughs> to pretty be perfectly much. honest. All right. Well, next up we have Meridian, which is episode eight. In this episode, while exploring the Gamma Quadrant and the Defiant, the crew are surprised to see a planet appear out of thin space. <laughs> They go to investigate (laughs) and discover a small colony of humanoids living there. The inhabitants reveal that their planet phases in and out of another dimension. They only exist in our dimension for a few days, but then exist in the other dimension where they have no physical bodies, but are only embodiments uh, consciousness for 60 of our years. While on the planet, Dax becomes infatuated with one of the inhabitants, Doral. Despite only being able to spend a few days together, Dax and Dural fall in love. Dural wishes to leave, but his people, so few in numbers, he feels he must stay. However, he notes that he has discovered that the phasing between dimensions is getting shorter, and that in just a few cycles the planet will phase completely out of existence in all realities. Dax is able to discover a way to keep the planet stable in our world for several decades, enough to find a permanent solution but it can't be implemented in time for this cycle. Dax decides her love is too strong to lose Doral, so she decides to join him for the 60-year journey, even trying to reconfigure her molecular structure. After saying a very sad goodbye to everyone, she goes aboard the planet during the phasing, but however, Dax seems to be unable to come with and seems to be keeping the planet stuck in this dimension. The Defiant warps Dax aboard and saves her, and the planet shifts without her, unfortunately leaving Dural and Dax separated for 60 years. Heartbroken, Dax mourns alone that she won't have the opportunity to see him for such a long time. Oh, and Quark makes a Kira porn program. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Or tries to, which is then sabotaged in the best way. Indeed. You see, a rich alien named Tehran is infatuated with Kira, but unable to score with her the usual way, he decides to pay Quark handsomely to create a Hollowsweet program of Kira. Quark tries his best to trick Kira into being scanned, but eventually steals her identity from the security files. Kira discovers this, and to punish Quark, she rewrites the program to have Quark's head on her body. When Tehran is duped, he swears revenge on Quark, and we all have a good laugh while Dax's heart is in shreds. Yay! Oh. What do we think of Meridian? Uh, you're you're right about the whole like heart ripped in shreds part. <laughs> I don't. I have I have really mixed feelings about this episode. Um, I don't. I just felt the, the way that the romance was established. Between Dax and what's his name? Daryl. 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 Yes. Um, Daryl. It might be Daryl, but I just want to say Daryl. Like I, a... I think I think Daryl is correct. I rewatched the episode today. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just it seemed very one sided at the beginning. Like we didn't get to see her like reciprocating his advances until they had already established that they liked each other. That's fair. 
And yeah. uh, I don't know, it was, it was just a little bit creepy. It was like, hey, how far down do your spots go? Like, you just met her! <laughs> Look, the man has 12 days to get laid. He's got to move. <laughs> that doesn't give you a right to be an asshole! <laughs> I can sympathize, at least. <laughs> I can but yes, you're I right. I, I, I do so. agree. I'm just joking. Yeah. It was a... The, the the fall in love in three days thing is tough to do, and I don't think it's episode. Oh no, yeah, totally yeah. tough. But like, like at, at least at least with that at least with that essentially pickup line, I can sympathize as creepy as it, and creepy and weird and like abrupt as it was, only because it's o- only because it's like, what like two word like like, like three words the bar scene like. It's mm. kind of a thing that happens when but you're it at was a bar. Breakfast. It w- yeah, it was <laughs> breakfast, and like I definitely get that, and I agree with you, Sarah. But like, I guess that's the only reason why 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 part of me is like, yeah, that kind of an opening is technically plausible, but that's about it. Mm. Well, well, aside aside from that, um, yeah. I will say I thought the music in this episode, particularly the music played um, during Dural and Dax's, we'll call it their courtship, I guess. I thought it was really nice. Yeah. It was very good music. And um, yeah. I'm reading here on Memory Alpha that uh, this episode marks the return of composer Dennis McCarthy to Deep Space mm-hmm. Nine. He left temporarily to compose the score for Star Trek Generations. Now, I know that... Uh... A lot of the other people involved with the Tuscan Shed Media Network don't like Generations very much, if at all. I really, I, I like Generations. I will say that a large part of that is due to the music. I think the music in Generation fan, huh? is pretty good, so that uh, that makes sense why I like the music in this episode so much. Yeah, I I remember I I remember when when I when I finally got around to watching this episode Meridian, I I, I messaged you too, and I was just like, the music playing during the scene is great. I wish they'd stop talking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, it's like it's like it's 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 like okay, I understand that you know, that you know that you know in the scene you want us to like to you want us to like really get this courtship through their words, but can you have like thirty seconds before they start talking where it's all just like like non-verbal understood communication between the two yeah that would be so nice less kissing though Dural did not look like a good kisser it's yeah. <laughs> kind of eating her face it was awkward a little bit too much face eating for you yes yeah not I guess this was I guess it's just weird it was Dax for me I mean I guess Dax is also a person who maybe you could say arguably has lived long enough that if she knows love that she's gonna commit to that you know mm-hmm. that's fair but it also feels like she's also would be less likely to jump aboard something so i guess it's it, you can take it either way but i could see why and so this isn't even my point which is that uh i am curious where you guys land on this because you seemed like you were more into the episode until we got on this podcast but this is in fact the second worst rated episode on imdb for deep space nine mm. i believe it actually yeah, i believe that I could believe people not liking it so much, but I'm surprised I didn't hate it. I don't love it, but I didn't think it was the worst. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was the worst either. For me, still Q-less is probably the worst, and that that's yeah. Right yeah. And I think that just gets Q points. You know? yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll say for me, like again, the music was absolutely stellar, which you know that's always going to give it extra points in my book. Um, but then also, like. 
I didn't really like the love story, but I thought Terry Farrell did a great job. So it's right. no, yeah. You know, I, mm. I mean, like for like for like for me, like for me, um, and 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 Ben and Ben, you kind of touched on it. Um, uh, both both just like Dax as a person, but but Dax uh, Jadzi as a person, but 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 also have but also having a, a Dax symbiote uh, in her, like. I I I think what made it for I think what made it weird for me was just was as you said how quickly Jadzia was like I'm in love or at the very least totally infatuated with this man um like it just seemed too fast for me to be like okay yeah this makes sense I I guess I guess that's my hang up right yeah then, and it go ahead Ben well my my big defense against that is a doctor who episode called the girl in the fireplace which might be uh, favorite doctor who episode i feel like we just heard the beginning of sarah crying yes. yeah that, that that episode has all the feels um basically doctor who finds a time distortion in a fireplace that allows him to sort of travel or at least talk to i can't remember exactly uh, a, a girl in sort of was it sarah like 17th century france 18th century france I think um, it was 18th century. That uh, yeah. not certain though. And uh, but it's off sync. So for him, it's just like a day while he's trying to deal with these other issues, um, and has to like leave the fireplace here and there. But for her, it's years on the other side. Huh. And so he sort of they both fall in love, but they're stuck in different time planes. And so he basically watches her grow old while he remains the same all throughout and she's like in love with him throughout her whole life um oh my gosh and it's very interesting and very intense yeah <laughs> uh yeah. very sad I ending clearly need to um, find this episode yes but it's it's i think that's a it's different in that she obviously lived longer you could think on it but i think it does a similar thing of telling a love story in a matter of an hour but uh doing it in a more interesting way than this one did yes and mm. a more convincing way Right, because I think the ending is good. Like, it's a great idea of like you fall in love with someone, and then you you lose them for sixty years. It's like a very interesting concept, and I think it makes sense for Dax because we know that obviously the symbiont lives. You know, maybe Jadzia doesn't live that long. Uh, you know, the Dax symbiont could maybe live that long. You know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Versus like right. you know someone who's like if I fell in love with someone and they were gone for sixty years, I'd be in my eighties, so I'd probably be mm-hmm. pretty much dead, you know, or at least not interested in love probably by that point, you know. Oh. Or, have for, or at least for damn sure have moved on. Probably. I'd be like, oh Daryl? Ugh, that was a while ago. <laughs> I hate, yeah. I, I hate oh, Daryl. <laughs> yeah, I was sad I for like a couple years, <laughs> but man. Um so yeah, I, I think that the censors are better episodes for this, but I didn't hate it either. Because like you said, Terry Farrell is very good. And the music is very good. Dennis McCarthy got to pull out all the feels. You yeah. Gotta, you got to play uh, uh, strings and feels for this yep. episode. You know, and yep. I, he, he, it's, it was at least fun to see him just kind of go all out with uh, very sappy, but very good sappy music. Yeah, definitely. That is... Do you feel that tonally the Kira storyline was too silly for this episode? Or did you just enjoy it on its own? I enjoyed it on its own. On its own, um, but but I I, yeah, I, will, I, was... I will kind of agree with it being paired. It might it, it might have it might seem a little sit might seem a little silly, but on its own for sure. Sorry to cut you off, Sarah. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's okay. I don't think I was going anywhere important with it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, it's good. I think it's still a little too creepy, but it was definitely just... creepy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Even though it's still I liked so it at the funny. Be- yes, I got. I liked it at the beginning where uh, you know he comes back to creep on her and she's having coffee with Odo or whatever. And she's like, "Yes, this is Odo, my lover." And Odo is just like, "Oh, right. you're touching my hand." Aww. Yeah, like and Kira's completely oblivious and it's just you know sweet and sad. Yeah, with that, be- yeah, with that beginning, I was not expecting how 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 that how that storyline was going to play out with that kind of an opening for it. Can I say it's fascinating that in these two episodes we have three non-Majorans super into Kira? <laughs> like super into Kira. And so far we've only seen yeah. Kira hook up with a Bajoran. It's like, aw. Yeah. Sorry guys, she may not be into non-humanoids or non-Bajorans. Either that or either Sorry. that or either that or it's really just because of who like because of who like who they are it as people. Be. Like they're just like like I mean, you know, there's Ducat. Well, no, but he should be into Tyron. He seems gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, he just seems like a total dick. <laughs> by the way, Tyron is played by Jeffrey Coombs, who has sort of a B-movie hero, uh, most famously the lead of Reanimator, one of the great gory movies of the 80s. But he is, in fact, going to be with us for a while, not as his character, but as many characters. He sort of shows up a bunch as alien random alien characters throughout Deep Space Nine's run. So That's cool. cool. We've seen a lot of Jeffrey Coombs in the future. Interesting. I like it oh. when they do that. It's it's this is gonna be a game now. Spot <laughs> Jeffrey. Right. <laughs> yes, he's one of those guys who's been in a million Star Trek things and always goes to the conventions and stuff like that. He's been like a bunch of characters all over the place. Mm-hmm. Mark Alamino's like that too. He was actually a Romulan in a in an episode of TNG I was watching. Hmm. And I was like, I know that neck. <laughs> I'd recognize that long neck anywhere. <laughs> That's an interesting way to recognize someone. Yeah. I know that. I know that He's neck. A very specific neck. <laughs> the man has a very specific long neck. I uh, I'll have to watch out for this person because I I can't recall um, a male actor with a particularly long neck. I've just never paid attention. Yeah, neither have I. His voice too. Obviously, he has the oh, golden yeah. cut voice. is very famous. But like his neck is perfect for Cardassians because they have those wonderful little spines on the side, mm. and he just like always looks so pompous just the way he holds himself. It's just perfect. That's why I at least enjoying civil defense, watching his smug smile. Yes. <laughs> That's his face. Well, I totally realized else? he was trapped. Indeed. Uh, is there anything else to say for Meridian? I'm good. All right. Well, those are our two it. episodes for this week. Next week, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 9, and Episode 10, which is Defiant, which I know features a certain TNG character on Deep Space Nine. So look Woo. forward to that. And Fascination. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-hosts for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like this show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It does help us find new listeners. Until next time, this is the crew of Geek Space Nine signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.